If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Welcome back to the Change Physician Podcast. I am Melissa Cady with my co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro, and we are joined by our amazing returning, returning, I don't know how many returning guests, <laughs> Eric Tate. Yes, Dr. Eric Tate. And we, we had a little conversation before this episode, and we're talking about some things that sometimes can be quite frustrating for we as uh, physicians realizing that despite our extensive education that we can be in a room and feel like we don't have the control um, or at least having the environment running the way we'd like it to do to be and so then we started talking about something that's going to be happening in future episodes anyway is this personal development aspect and how this all ties together and so I would love to just you started talking about, I think it's good for people to hear a little bit about what you had said and that how as much as physicians think that things should be running the way they are because of us being in the room, that that's not quite the reality. Do you mind just kind of giving people a a little reminder um, as much as it can be frustrating, um, what the reality is of us as physicians in the medical world? Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Not, a, not, not a problem. And so it's a big thing. If you, if you ever see any of my writing or any of the groups that I'm in and, and talking about kind of, um, kind of the, the healthcare system in, in general, and just from, from a board of standpoint, my, my MBA is in healthcare management and entrepreneurship, right? So I literally have studied healthcare management from the early two thousands when a lot of these things were going in, I've actually had published research around some of these things, um, around managed care. Um, and so, you know, I have a specific expertise in this, um, and I, you know, I can give a soliloquy about all this, but ultimately what it boils down to in our system, it is essentially the payment model determines the delivery model. Okay. That's what it ultimately boils down to. So our healthcare delivery model is completely based upon essentially who's paying for the checks and who's, who's writing the checks and who's paying for things. And so from that standpoint, if you understand that that is the case, nothing's going to change kind of in the day-to-day environment unless you change the payment model, right? So we talk about DPC, direct primary care, those docs love it. If they can get enough patients into their practice, they love it because they're their own boss. Because why? Their actual customers pay them, right? Mm -hmm. Not a third party. And so if a third party is paying you, a third party dictates to you what needs to be done, whether they have a medical degree or not. And what I always say is it's the expectations and reality mismatch in, in the world is what causes stress and anxiety and burnout, right? In the medical world, there's an expectation that because we went to school, we're, all, we're almost always the most educated and technically, quote unquote, the smartest people in the room and that nothing ever happens without us, right? But we control nothing, right? We have no real, real agency in the system. Right, and that creates a lot of cognitive dissonance and a lot of discord internally. Right, we have all the liability, we have all these other things, but all these people are coming at us and taking away from us, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. There's no two ways about it. But unless you're going to retire or go cash, there's no way to change that reality. And so that reality is what it is. And the only way you change reality, and back to the personal development situation, if, you, if we go to Stephen Covey, right, mm-hmm. you have to enlarge your circle of influence right? You can rail 
as you want. You can tilt at all the windmills that you want and be Don Quixote, but unless you have enough people behind you, change is not going to occur just because you don't like the way something is. And so if, if physicians can begin to reframe and understand where we are, right? There's some people who are working on trying to create physician unions and all of that. And there's some questions around the legalities and all of that, right? Cool. They're doing something to try to increase their sphere of influence to try and change the public perception or what have you, right? So that's a, it's actually a productive use of energy and time. The non-productive use of energy and time is screaming in the physician's lounge, is screaming on Facebook groups about how all these things are unfair, right? Because all that screaming, you're not gonna change anything, right. right? The flip side of it is we have literally 0% unemployment unless you don't wanna work, right? You can always do some locum somewhere in your profession and always get paid. There's no other profession that has that kind of job security, right? People would beg for our job security. So if you just take it out of who we think we are and who we think we should be based upon our education and all the things that we have done, and I'm not saying that we did not sacrifice, but understand we still live in a relatively privileged position as kind of labor beings, right? Because essentially the payment model has commodified what we do. We are now just a cog in a larger machine unless you're, again, own your own practice and you're doing, you're doing cash pay and things of that nature. And so the reframing and reshifting and understanding that, you know what? Medicine is what I do. Medicine is not who I am. And if we can begin to de-link and depersonalize our ego from the practice of medicine and what we think it should be, now I'm talking outside of patient care and patient safety, right? That's a different ballgame. You, 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 sometimes some swords you have to die on if there's a, an unsafe situation that's happening, right? But most of the stuff is not unsafe. It's just you don't like it, or there's coverage decisions being made that you don't like, right? That's sometimes a choice on the part of the 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 patient in terms of what kind of insurance they have and things of that nature. That's not something that we have controlled, right? They patients have decided that they want third parties to administer this so that we can so they can keep quote unquote costs down. We can't be mad for decisions that the citizenry has made, right? We just can't. They've made their decision. It is what it is. And so now we have to decide as a collective body and a profession, how do we respond from that to that standpoint? And again, I would say that understand that we have a profession where we are wildly fulfilled in terms of what it is that we do. There's some things we don't like about it, but ultimately the, the, the physician-patient relationship is what is a fulfilling type of thing. If you have an expectation that you're supposed to control everything that happens, even outside of that relationship, you're going to be solely disappointed unless you're going cash. And so it's just a little bit of a reframing that ultimately has to happen. And we are not taught in medical school, in college, unless maybe you're a philosophy major, um, in high school, elementary school, from a personal development standpoint, we don't have the tools in many times of how to reframe that, how to go about kind of reorganizing in our own brain, not what society values as, as important, but ultimately what we value is ultimately important in our different relationships, whether professional, personal, things of that nature. And you know, personal development really helps you get in tune with really who you are and what you're supposed to be doing. Now, it doesn't mean what you're supposed to be doing has to be your profession. You can be a hobby. It can be what you do in terms of your spare time, in terms of your philanthropic time and money and energy. That's up to you. But actually having the skill set to go through and do that type of life inventory and understand where, where your value as a human being comes from 
you know, it was easily to be easy for us to be esteemed 50 years ago just because of who we were with our degree. That is no longer the case. And so if an external validation esteem is needed, it's not going to be necessarily through medicine anymore. It may be through the philanthropic side of things. Who knows? And I would argue even further than that. External validation will always keep you running on a treadmill anyway. Validation almost always needs to come from internal and be clear. We're in the top 1% of all population in terms of education. So none of us can say that we don't have laurels that we can point back to and validate ourselves because we've gotten to this point already. We don't need the external validation because each of us walked this path that 99% of the population could never walk. And so I would argue that that's more than enough um, to point back at to say, clearly I am worthy of this and so much more, so. Sure. Well, Kevin, did you have something? Oh, well, a couple of things. There's so much we could expound upon there, but I want to go back because we're thinking about the audience here. And uh, we, we know what, when you're saying personal development, we understand what that means. But if somebody is sort of jumping into this, like I just, I kind of go back to myself uh, 15 years ago, probably around 15 years. And like personal development, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, are you talking weight lifting? Am I going to, you know, that personal development, I got to get my muscles up here. So, so when we're talking personal development, what does that mean? Or at least so I'd like to know, you know, what does that mean to you? How would you define it to someone who, who's unfamiliar with the concept or term? And then secondly is then how did you learn about it and what puts you on this path? Yeah. So, yeah. So interestingly enough, so I'd have to pull a dictionary dictionary to figure out what kind of personal development is from a, from a textbook standpoint, but just kind of what I was saying earlier in terms of really the exploration of kind of who you are and kind of what your life purpose is, right? Independent of what you've been taught, independent of the boxes people have put you in, independent of your gender, independent of your race, independent of your religion. Like if you go into that quiet place of yourself, which most people have never do, what is it that speaks to you even now, be clear, when you were a child, it was there. You either ignored it, you pushed it to the side, you, you did something else, but it was always there. There was always something that pulled to you, right? And it may not make any money, it may, right? But there's, there is something there. there. There's a reason why you're on the planet. And most of the time, it's usually around helping and serving other people. That's kind of humans, kind of natural hardwiring. And whether that's in medicine because medicine could be a shadow career for what you should, what you really should be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And that gets into a whole Stephen Pressfield and do the work and the war of art and where he really talks about kind of the shadow careers. Um, and it, that's a very interesting book. And I, I'm, I'm gonna have to pull the author to make sure you can put it in the, in the notes because it's, it's a great kind of series that he talks about um, from there. But medicine might be a shadow career for some of you who, who want to change the world, who want to help people in a certain way. And this was the way that you figured out you could do that. But there may be other ways that, you, that, that are calling you as well. And so it's really this, personal development is really the, the exploration of the self, but not in a selfish way, in a selfless way, in terms of what you're here to do kind of for others, right? And then I was introduced to it, interestingly enough, in the investment world, right? Um, so what you will find is that when you get around very wealthy people, they have, outside of Wall Street, um, but, you know, when wealthy people get together, they talk about very different things than middle class and working day people. 
they talk about significance. They talk about kind of how did they create a mindset that allowed them to take the risk to get to where they were, right? And there's hundreds of years of history of this stuff. Um, and well, I'll circle back. So I go, to, I go to investment seminars, getting around people. And there's a, a mentor group that I got in with that was that the guy who was ahead of it used to tape um, Brian Tracy and some other guys he used to do the audio for them. So he incorporated into his seminars, personal development. And through them and through other people, then we were able to get back through to Napoleon Hill um, uh, with, which one, which is Napoleon Hill's? Uh, Think and Grow Rich. Yep, thank you. Think and Grow Rich, which I try to read at least once a year. Um, and so there's a through line, right? From Zig Ziglar to Brian Tracy, to Dennis Waitley, to Tony Robbins. Like Tony Robbins would be the guy that in the popular press, um, everybody can look at and say, oh, that's a personal development, quote unquote, guru. But go to Netflix and watch his Netflix, I'm Not Your Guru. And you'll then understand what personal development ultimately is from behind the scenes, right? Because it's all that flash. You think people, you know, Stuart Smiley from SNL, you know, I'm good enough, I'm great enough, and God darns people like me. <laughs> Essentially, that's the, that's the caricature version of personal development. But that's really what it boils down to, is how do you find that spark of who you are, independent of what everybody else has told you you, you should be, or professionally you've wrapped yourself in. And I think you kind of touched on it is I think people have a, they think they understand very superficially and they're turned off because maybe they watch the infomercials or whatever. And, and, and rather than we have this kind of view, oh, if you see it on the infomercial it must be bad. Well, actually you don't know. We, we really don't know. It's just a sales technique. Um, and, but they assume that personal development means you're, you know, a snake oil salesman, you're a, you know, some slimy dude, maybe, you know, something that the used car salesman or whatever. But it, it, it is so profound. And, and I guess I wish there was a way, and hopefully this, through this episode we're doing that, where you can kind of push through those barriers because there simply isn't anything that I can see that is as fundamentally important as developing the self. Now, it sounds stupid. It sounds stupid. But no. you know, we, we, we've stopped some, for some reason, and I, maybe this has to do with the education, is we go through our educational career and we get through high school or whatever, and there's all this external stuff saying, sign this line, dot this, whatever. And we lose the thought of independent learning and independent learning about us. Like, what is the joy of learning? And without having explored who you are and what you want to do and what's important to you, someone else is going to tell you. And I, and I think that wraps it in a little bit more to, to our discussion here. So if you, were, if you were starting this journey or if you were, you were just starting or maybe you were the mentor that you had, where would you recommend to the new person say, hey, I think I wanna learn a little bit more about this. You know, where, where would I start to explore and how would I start actually delving into this idea of personal development? So a lot of it will depend on, are they kind of audio, visual people do they do better in a seminar format like like a lot of it will depend on how they receive information right the other issue would be is there something specifically they're trying to learn how to do right because a lot of the seminars that you're where you're trying to go learn a skill of some kind a lot of those people actually weave a lot of personal development in some of those things right um you know if you want to start at the basics you, you go back to this personal development bible which is essentially think and grow rich, right? That's your first on-ramp into it for, I would say for most people is 
understanding that book. And I tell people, you need to read the book seven times, right? Once you read the book seven times, you'll finally get it. Like, oh, this is what they say, right? And then read it once a year after that, because as you get deeper and more personal in terms of as you move through the world, you're, it, things are going to hit you very differently. Information is going to hit you very differently from that standpoint. And so, you know, I would start there. And then if you're talking about just purely, you know, easy access would probably be YouTube. Most of, most of the personal development people, people have uploaded a lot of their, their stuff to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so you just to find somebody that, that, that makes sense, that, that whose voice resonates with you. Because ultimately there's really kind of one truth and people just say it differently and different packages wrap and land on different people differently, if that makes sense. And so kind of once you start down the personal development rabbit hole, you can figure out the people who really resonate with you in terms of their metaphors, the way they storytell or not storytell or what have you. Cause most of the time the sermon, if you will, is gonna be ultimately the same when you really break down to it. Um, and so Napoleon Hill kind of gives you the baseline. Stephen Covey, um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's kind of what well, was rated what the, the most what, influential business book of the 20, 20th century, but it really is a personal development book, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it te- and it teaches you in seven principles kind of how to view the world from outside of yourself, right? We tend to have, a, as human beings, tend to have a very self-centered outlook on the world. And that was the first book I ever read that really decentered before. And because I read that book before I went to sales training, sales training completely decenters you from the world because it makes you think about what the other person may want or what the other person is looking for. And we realize very quickly that you're, that you are not necessarily your target customer, even if you're not selling something to somebody, it can be a spouse, it can be a business partner, it can be whatever the case may be to look at it and to look at the world differently. But seven habits of highly effective people will give you the tool set to really reorder and be able to control your emotions, right? The, the, the thing that, 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 that Dr. Covey talks about that's so important to me is the stimulus and response gap, right? Ultimately, we may not be able to control what happens to us, but we can absolutely control our response, right? And that no one can make us feel any kind of way if they don't physically do anything to us and touch us, right? And so the regulation of emotions is a big personal development thing, right? Not everything that happens around you is directed at you. Most people aren't even thinking about you, right? Most people may offend you by accident. Um, They're just not thinking about you. And you don't have to be upset at other people's problems necessarily. Or you don't need to be more upset than other people are the things actually have happened to them, right? The, the, letting the outside world regulate your, your emotions. And that takes us back to what we were talking about, right? The frustration, the burnout, because we're letting the outside kind of healthcare system, quote unquote, affect our internal emotions, right? As opposed to, hey, I'm treating, I'm here to treat these patients. This is what I'm going to do, right? And this system around here might make that a little bit more difficult than I think it needs to be, but I'm here to do this, right? And this is what I'm here for. These are, these are the things and the people that I'm here for, right? And so that regulation of emotion is what our society needs so much because we've, we've equated feelings with truth. Feelings are not truth. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, and you know, I just to jump off of that is you talked about, you know, that much of the middle class or 
uh, low to middle class don't maybe spend the time to think about meaning they're in that mo they're in that survivor mode that's kind of how i like to phrase it and their bandwidth for i mean just just keeping your trying to survive in society of the stress and and working full-time jobs or both parents working full-time jobs and having multiple kids and like they never can slow down you talked about people just don't slow down to like listen to themselves in some way and try to figure out maybe what they're really made of and what their their purpose is in this world um i think of of how many physicians are in this place of survivor kind of mode and and i feel like and i'm curious if you feel the same way is that and i, I think it aligns with your story from and everyone should go back and watch the other episodes of course dr tain um at least the very first one um just mm -hmm. to hear his story but I would, I would suspect that in order to extricate yourself from that day in, day out hustle and to open the space for that personal development, you almost, you have to find ways to free up your time, whether that's taking a day off during the week or something like that. How, how would you, what would you say to that? Well, the first thing I'm going to ask is do a time diary because, you know, we all have one of these phone i'm holding up a phone which you may not be able to see with my background <laughs> right count how many hours you spend on facebook and on instagram and all of this and netflix right and even and and this is kind of i don't think most people examine their life right i don't think most people do it whether and that, and that cuts across a lot of income levels i would think that the, the very wealthy are the ones who who do it more but I don't think most people examine their, their, their lives from that right. standpoint, right? So it's not a, it, it's a, it's just a societal thing, right? No, th that kind of introspection, because we have a consumer-based society, right? 70% of our economy runs on consumerism, right? And when you do that type of introspection work, the material doesn't matter as much anymore, right? The things don't matter as much anymore, right? And so with my story, because the things didn't matter more than my time. I just took a pay cut. Like I'm working four days a week. Don't pay me, pay me less. Now it just so happened I was spending that extra time on the personal development and in the investing. So I made the money up from the investment side. So my labor was not required to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. But that treadmill, that treadmill and hamster wheel, especially on the physician side, right? Mm -hmm. We oftentimes lock ourselves in a box of materialism. Well, you know, we make good salaries, right? Even with, even with all the debt many people might have, that debt can still be paid off, right? And so you've got to be mindful of the material box you put yourself in, in terms of where you're living, where you're sending your kids to school, all these kinds of things. Because the material is what takes the attention, right? The introspection, you need less material. Cause you're just doing different kinds of things. You're, 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 you're with people, you're with friends, the experiences begin to take over at that point. Right. And so really it's a reframing of why am I on this treadmill? Why we're all working and doing all this. Why are we working so hard to do what, to what end? Why is it that if we, you know, it's, it's, you know, from an investment standpoint, we always, I, my mantra is always decouple labor from your lifestyle. Like, are you working every day just to, to maintain your things, right? I always argue that your, your, your investments should maintain your things so you can work less and do whatever you want. And some of that I would argue is personal development, right? And I always, you know, on the Physicians Road platform, we always start with personal development because until you change your mindset, your actions won't change.
And that's why I have to examine what it is am I doing in life? Like, what is the point of this? Yeah. The so, age of a question. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that was it. No, I'm wondering, but that moment where you're doing the introspection, do you, did you personally, or do you find people have trouble being quiet with themselves? Like this sense of needing to, you know, like there's that, like, you don't know where to go with that. You, you sit there with yourself and you're trying to ask yourself questions, but sometimes it's just uncomfortable or you, f you feel so pulled to get things done or, you know, fill the time with doing. Yeah. I, so I've been lucky, right? Because I went down this personal development pathway. I did, you know, I went through some, some amazing kind of trainings and, and, kind of goal setting seminars where you where you went through and ripped out all the BS of your life and you distilled stuff down to what like you've got one you, you, you like write out your perfect day what does a perfect day look like from sun up to sundown write it down right you've got three months to live on the to, to live write your own obituary right you've got you've got three days to live who are you seeing and why Right. And so I, I would go through seminars, three day seminars where we would have to do all of these kinds of crazy exercises. Right. Wow. So I got super clear, relatively young, like, oh, I, I ripped out all this nonsense. Like, ah, I don't care about that. 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 Right. Um, but that not being able to be in a quiet space, you know, that's why that's why therapy was created. Right. That's why, you know, like all of this, people don't realize that that, that therapy is personal development. Right. But you've got to figure out if you're doing kind of growth work or you're doing healing work. Right. There's some things you have to heal from or, the, or are you growing into another person. And sometimes you have to do both. Right. I'd argue heal first, get back, get back to baseline and then grow from there. Right. Because you can try to grow. But if your foundation is crappy, eh, not going to go. So for those who can't be alone, can't be by themselves, can't be in their own head. You ask the question, why is that? Right. Yeah. Why is that? And that may require some therapy that may require other kinds of things. But the subconscious and the unconscious always manifest consciously. We're all physicians. We all see it. It happens with our patients all the time, right? And so I'm, I always tell my patients, listen, you, you have to deal with this because this is why it's manifested. This is why your diabetes, this is why your anxiety is this, this is why is this. So let's go back to this trauma you had here. What do we want to do about this? Because none of this is going to, you're overweight. That's from this back here, right? People don't realize 70, 80% of primary care is just psych psychology and psychiatry and all of this social stuff, right? The medicine is 20%. The rest is just being in people's heads to figure out why they're making bad decisions. What bad pathological loop are they in to end up where they ultimately are, right? That's, and that's all of us, right? How do we undo whatever loops we may be in that don't allow us to be able to sit with ourselves and do healthy things that aren't detrimental? That's all. That's a whole nother episode right there. Oh, that is, yep. yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's all, but it all ties together. It, it, it does. And I, and I think so often that gets forgotten. And I think as physicians, and I, this actually, this, this brings it back again to this whole personal development thing is because if you're treading water out there and particularly if you're in a, in a busy practice and I'm in, and I'm, I'm thinking primary care, but there's many specialists that are going to see this exact same thing. Rheumatology being a big one, endocrinology being another big one. But um, the more you explore your personal development, the more you're going to understand or at least appreciate the perspectives of the patients that are coming into your practice. And 
that comes up, that becomes so important because we were like, oh, I have this patient with diabetes and they're completely non-compliant, blah, 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 blah. They're not doing this. And well, you know, why are they non-compliant? What is the, 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 the factors in their life? Obesity being a big one. And you, you know, you talk about obesity and I don't think it's as prominent now, but with the original ACEs study come out, when we were looking at a childhood trauma, that came out of studying people that were obese where they realized that people with morbid obesity, and obviously this was back in the eighties and nineties, that a huge percentage of them had been abused as child, particularly sexual abuse. So I guess I, I just love what you're saying because I, the more I think as physicians, we learn this and the more we realize that actually, if you take a moment to learn about yourself, you're going to understand those around you a little bit better as well. And I can't think of any profession that's as important as doing that as being a physician, because that's basically what we do is these interpersonal intimate relationships that we have with people. So. Yeah. That's the, that's the privileged position that we sit in, right? We sit in, we, it's us in the priesthood, right? Where we, where people will bear their soul, bear their bodies and their souls to us if we do it right. That's what I say. That, that, that's why, irrespective of of what the system is doing, that interpersonal connection with the patients hasn't changed. No matter how much we're we're, we're vilified in the public press, we're not vilified by the patients who are sitting in front of us, right? People, we're like congressmen, right? And Congress people, everybody hates everybody else's congressperson, but they love their own. Right. So, you know, and sometimes we might lose sight of that because we're, we're taking in the external noise of society and the loss of esteem based upon our predecessors. But a lot of times that esteem is not lost by the people in front of us. Now, ER, a little different pain, you know, drug seekers, maybe a little different. But for the most part, you know, a plus 90 plus percent of our patients are appreciative of what we do. Right. Yeah. And that, what other profession do, can people say that? Yeah. Right. And that's what I mean by the reshifting and reframing of what it is that we do. The problem is a lot of times we just have to take money out of this, right? Because a lot of this is really around money, right? That we're working harder than we should be for what we're getting paid. Right. Or what we think we should be getting paid. Exactly. Or we're working, we think exactly. we're working harder for what we're getting paid. You know, that was, you know, not to change the conversation too much, but I was thinking about this earlier today is physician incomes. We all feel underpaid, but the amount that we're actually reimbursed is pretty astronomical. I mean, if you, I was thinking of from the standpoint of, of the, of the 4% rule, right? Well, what's the rule for retirement? Well, it's 4% of your portfolio. Well, I'm like, well, let's look at it from your daily income. If you are making $250,000 a year, which is pretty standard for a primary care doc in many ways and in many of the physicians. That's like a $5 million portfolio basically generating those returns. So you're a $5 million asset at least that's producing this stuff. And I, I, so I, I think sometimes we need to just step back as physicians and just be able to recognize what a privilege is that we have. And the other thing that you came up, you said really early on is the risk of unemployment. <laughs> you know, unless you're a crook or a, or a hack or a cause criminal harm, you're going to have a job. Right? And yeah, anyway, it's, it, it, we, we are remarkably privileged and it's, I think it's good to, again, I think that personal development standpoint allows us to step back and actually be appreciative of what we have rather than to focus on the perceived lack of what yep. we want. And, and, it's, and here's the thing, it's not lack, it's comparison. 
the thing in our society because everybody has, even our poorest people are richer than 80% of the people on the planet, right? What we do is we compare ourselves to Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and what those, what those people have, right? What personal development does is it, it teaches you to run your own race. You are here, you are put here to do something else. Maybe not that, right? And the comparison is what kills people. The comparison, and I don't want to call it envy, but it's the comparison that kills us mm-hmm. from that standpoint. If we're not comparing ourselves to other people, we're doing pretty well as a profession. We're like, ah, we're doing pretty well, right? Yeah, more psychology. I mean- That's all it is. That's yeah. all human interactions are. Yeah, and like you said, and, and I, I definitely want, we want to respect your time. I mean, I think the personal development as individuals and in interaction with patients you're going to be better at supporting their own personal development as well, which was kind of alluded to by with what you said, Kevin. But in the end, with the crazy society and what's going on in this world right now and, and the amount of tension and stress and lack of insight and the more people we can have having some, some personal development <laughs> is only going to better you know, our society. Of course, that's going to take some time um, and there'll never be a hundred percent involvement there. But I think, uh, you know, our patients are better served by us being more personally developed as physicians. So they, um, their overall wellness and obviously, which is being supported by their actions and their thoughts and the traumas that are unresolved. I mean, it's all connected. And I think uh, we could say we're being holistic on this uh, podcast that all of these things are important and, and they are definitely have relationships with one another. another so, um, Absolutely. I would say, because here's the thing, no action happens without thought, no deliberate action, right? Uh, clearly our hearts beat without necessarily conscious thought, right? But no deliberate actions without, happen without thought. And people seem to forget something, you know, an idea doesn't have to be true to be detrimental, right? There are lots of false ideas running around <laughs> that are detrimental, right? People yeah. are thinking things are just, just flat out wrong. Yeah. And their life can spin out from it. Even if they don't realize it's not wrong, they make actions based upon what, they th- what they've been told and what they think. And it leads to bad, ultimately bad outcomes, right? And so ideas are powerful. Nothing changes without an idea. Yeah. And what personal development does is it trains your, bi- your mind to give you ideas that feed you and aren't detrimental to what you ultimately want to get out of life and what your fulfillment and your purpose is. Right, right. As long as it's benevolent. Well, some people have malevolent, that's their malevolent kind of thing, right? And, and society will deal with that, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I try to keep it as judgment-free as possible. Yeah. Uh, um, Let's hope it's benevolent. How about that? We, exactly. We can, we can hope it's benevolent, <laughs> but, you know, they may have a perspective, right? Sure. And so, but you know, I'm a libertarian, so I believe, you know, no coercion, no harm. So that's always the first rule. Right, right. But that, that refers to the, to the point though, again, the, the more you learn about yourself, why you do what you do, your past and how it influences your current present, as well as your perspectives of what the future is going to be. The more you delve into that, and the more you learn what you touched on earlier on about your emotions, you know, that's, that's a whole nother episode there. And this idea we people think that emotions are this thing that just pulls you around and they're uncontrollable. All is, all is BS. And it, it made me think, and, and I don't want to, again, respecting your time here, but a lot of this comes down to, if we're looking from the ocean standpoint is if you aren't taking the time to at least to start to master your own emotions, or at least to understand the fundamentals behind it, someone else is going to, 
And we see that with the way that the algorithms work, that the, the draws to attention are, you touched on it with, with this idea about, about beliefs and, and how that drives these ideology and how people whipsaw back and forth are not thinking clearly anymore. So it really behooves us all again, to return back to this point of take the time to learn about yourself, learn about where you came from, learn about, you know, how your, your brain and body does the stuff that does, because I guarantee that there's people who know it and they're going to use it to control you, or at least to gain a semblance of control. Um, I don't know. And for me, I, I hate being controlled. Yep. I, just, no, I hate that idea. No one can make you feel anything. Only you and your response to something is how emotions are felt. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I, okay. I, I'm going to, do you have anything else there, Melissa? Go ahead. Gonna, we're going to talk for like two hours here. And, and this <laughs> take us out, Kevin. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on the Change Physician podcast today with our fabulous guest who, <laughs> always love having you eric we're gonna to have to figure another one to to come back on because we had like three episodes right here I'm like oh we got to talk about that we got to talk about that i'm always happy to come back i'm always happy to come back <laughs> uh, but if you enjoyed this episode we appreciate the rating or review whether you're seeing us on youtube or on any of your audio uh, podcast networks you can go to the community at thechangephysician.com join us there and until next time stay well Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.